0: Hello and welcome to All About Fertility Podcast. I'm Ellie, your host, and I hope everyone's well. It's been some time. I have been working really hard on this expo, but I'm glad to be back with an episode. So recently I have been out and I've been celebrating my friend's birthday, which is great, um, quite a few, and I've been meeting new people, which is always nice. I love speaking to new people. And naturally, you know, you discuss what your passions are and you get to know them. But naturally, it moved to women's health. And we were discussing, you know, PCOS and endometriosis. And then I turned to a more common problem, yeast infections and BV. And it kind of went silent. (laughs) And it is an embarrassing topic right and it's an embarrassing topic to discuss with your doctor and while women are out there raising awareness which I think is fantastic and I salute them about PCOS and endometriosis because it is needed I really just wanted to look at the more common um, health issues such as yeast infections and BV As I said, it is an embarrassing topic at times and not one that you'd want to discuss with a GP. Nowadays, you can just go over the counter and get, you know, an antifungal cream to, to help with the symptoms. But today I'm actually speaking with Cassandra and she's from Fertility First New Zealand and she's a fertility educator uh, with Natural Fertility New Zealand and runs her own clinic in Christchurch New Zealand and she helps women and their partners to learn about their fertility to either maximize their chances of conceiving or how to avoid pregnancy in a natural way. Welcome Katandra and thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Okay, well, thanks for the invitation to come along and speak um, in your podcast today. I really appreciate that. So I'm a fertility educator, so I'm trained to work with women and their partners to help them maximise their chances of conception or to help them work toward the goal of wanting to find a uh, natural contraceptive method that's going to help them avoid um, pregnancy. So I run my own clinic here in Christchurch, New Zealand, and work with mostly clients remotely. And that will be um, throughout New Zealand and throughout the world as well. Uh, I think we've kind of tended to move towards this online consultation um, process uh, during the COVID time and post-COVID. Um, so I work with a lot of clients overseas. So the time difference really is no no <laughs> hang up for me. I'm used to talking with people in Paris or London or in the UK or in the States as well. So I work with clients individually, but also I work as, um as I said, the um, clinical supervisor of Natural Fertility New Zealand. So it's my job to uh, train new educators, and those new educators will come from a medical background, such as doctors, nurses, midwives, lactation consultants, uh, naturopaths, homeopaths, acupuncturists, Mm-hmm. Uh, to train them to do exactly what I do with my clients, which is teach them how to learn about their signs of fertility, how to record those very simplistically, and then how to interpret that information. Uh, we also do our annual audit process of our educators as well, and I'm also responsible for the ongoing training
0: and professional development of our educators as well. Wonderful. That is so good to hear because... You know, it's great to hear that you're training more people to educate us about our fertility. I mean, I can't speak for everyone, but, you know, I didn't start thinking about my fertility until I was in my late 30s. But, look, today I wanted to speak about something that is more common in women's health that we really don't discuss um, or hear about nowadays, um, and that's yeast infections and BV. They're they're actually common, yet the only time I seem to remember – it being discussed was at school and i remember um you know our teachers telling us not to wear tights not to wear tight jeans wear cotton underwear and don't have hot baths because that's the gre- breeding ground for them we more commonly hear about pcos and endometriosis which you know it's it's fantastic because we do need to raise awareness but i still think that um you know, yeast infections and BV is overlooked. And there are some women who have reoccurring yeast infection. Mm-hmm. And I guess nowadays it's quite easy to get the medication you need because you can just go to the chemist and get a, you know, a cream over the counter that will help. Um, but if it's reoccurring, it means that there's something out of balance in your body that needs to be addressed instead of it you know, you mask in it, um, And so I really wanted to start from the beginning, and Cassandra, if you could explain to us what a yeast infection is and what BV is.
1: Okay. So going back to your very opening statement, you're talking about um, PCOS and endo. So some people might not know what PCOS is, so polycystic ovarian syndrome, and of course endometriosis. So. You just asked the question about what is a yeast infection or what is uh, bacterial vaginosis. So, one is a as a fungal infection, and the other one's a bacterial infection. So, if we start with um, with the yeast infection, so when we talk about a yeast infection, we're generally talking about a vaginal yeast infection, and all it is is an overgrowth of the naturally occurring. Um, fungi that are already there so we do have a little bacteria that goes around and tries to control the levels of that um, fungi but sometimes it can get out of control for various reasons and I think we're going to talk about that a little bit later Um, and the same thing for bacterial vaginosis it's a bacterial overgrowth so the um, the bacteria that usually keeps that in control for some reason um, gets interfered with and um, the, that bacteria um, overgrows and then starts to cause some, some quite nasty signs and symptoms that, um, you know, that appear to make it very uncomfortable you know, for
0: the woman. Okay, so let's discuss the symptoms. What are the symptoms and is there pain associated with it?
1: Okay, I think for any of us that have had a yeast infection, I would definitely say that it is painful. Uh, So common signs and symptoms of a yeast infection are um, pain, redness, swelling, itchy, pain with intercourse, um, a white, thick, kind of cottage cheese um, discharge. Signs and symptoms for bacterial vaginosis can be quite different. Like 50% of women don't actually have any signs that they've actually got an infection, and it only gets picked up if they're having a routine cervical smear and that some swabs are taken, and they might come back with a, a diagnosis of you've got bacterial vaginosis. So um, the treatment for that is uh, generally antibiotics, which for most women that will clear the infection, uh, but for some women it doesn't. But of um, symptoms, if they do have any, um, might be um, a discharge, which is quite watery And it has a kind of a greyish tinge to it um, If you've ever heard about fishy discharges It's got a fishy kind of smell um, with the watery discharge And stronger after a, a woman's had sex as well
0: uh, What is the root cause of BV or yeast infections And can it be sexually transmitted? Okay,
1: So I think going back to what you were saying earlier about these two kind of things aren't talked about there is a lot of thinking that they are sexually transmitted infections whereas they're not they so not at all. And because people think that they're sexually transmitted, that, that's why there's a big kind of shroud over kind of not talking about it. So even if your listeners out there today, just take away that one little fact that it's not a sexually transmitted infection. It's just an overgrowth of normal fungi or bacteria that you have in your system for some particular reason. So the cause of yeast infections is uh, there, are, there are numerous causes for that. And it can be because they might have had a course of antibiotics for some infection that they've had. And those antibiotics have killed off the good bacteria, which usually controls the fungi for the yeast infections. So some other causes of a yeast infection can be because of stress. Mm -hmm. And when we're stressed, we often um, overeat the kind of foods that we shouldn't be eating, like the um, high-calorie, high-sugar, high-carbohydrates kind of foods. Um, Pregnancy, hormone imbalances, uh, often women who are using the the combined oral contraceptive pill, Mm -hmm. Get yeast infections because their hormone balances are out of out of sync, um, and those are the immunosuppressed. So whether they are immunosuppressed um, because they're undergoing um, cancer treatments of some sort, or they have um, HIV as well, so those are usually the causes. And I did smile when you talked about you know when you're at school you heard about you know the tight clothing and all that kind of thing. Um, do like to allow, you know, those bits of our anatomy to breathe, breathe quite well, and when we're talking about signs and symptoms for bacterial vaginosis or BV, then actually that's one of the contributing things, is trying to avoid wearing tight underwear, mm. tight pants okay. um, yeah, so BV a little bit different the causes for um, bacteria vaginosis Um, interestingly enough, just having a sexual partner can increase your risk of actually developing bacterial vaginosis. Having multiple sexual partners all at the same time can increase your risk of um, developing that. Um, Even around the time of menstruation, just because your hormones are unbalanced means that you're more vulnerable to an overgrowth of that kind of um, bacteria even thinking about the sanitary products that you might use. So using tampons, which kind of tend to dry out and kind of suck all that moisture out of the vaginal um, tissues can increase risk. So moving to either pads or a moon cup, uh, something like that, where it's not, um, you know, trying to absorb a lot of fluids, something that catches fluids Mm -hmm. instead is a a better idea. Um, even just plain old having intercourse can um, can increase, you know, your chances of having an episode of uh, BV as well. So lots of different 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 reasons why you might get it, and it's not the fact that you're unclean or you know a lot, a lot of women, especially with bacterial um, vaginosis, yeah. will, uh what's what's the way of saying it will feel quite um, quite dirty and quite unclean, especially because. When they're having sex and after sex the discharge smells quite fishy they feel dirty and unclean and kind of unworthy sometimes people will talk about Mm. those kind of things in regards to their mental health as well and then that impacts on their sexual experience that they you know might have in the future.
0: So if you are sexually active and you do have an infection can you actually pass it on to your partner?
1: So a yeast infection you can pass on to a male partner Um, but it's incredibly rare and if a male partner was to get it, it's more likely that he would be, he's um, uncircumcised, which I find very, very interesting. Um, But with BV, uh, there's no chance of passing it on to to a male partner. But general medical advice is that if you do have a yeast infection or you do have BV, then avoid having any um, intercourse during that time of treatment that you're having. So, treatment for a yeast infection is an antifungal. So it's usually a um, a cream that's inserted into the vagina, or a pessary. So it's like a tablet that d- that is inserted into the vagina to um, to basically um, break down and and be used to treat the fungal infection. And the BV uh, we treat with antibiotics. Um, and even though for BV, a woman will have an improvement within two to three days, it's still recommended, like any antibiotic, that you continue to take the treatment until it's finished. Um, with a yeast infection, there are some, some great products on, on the market where if you catch the yeast infection early, so if you just started to notice the itching and you went to your pharmacy, you could um, just get a one-day um, treatment. Or if there's a little bit more of a discharge, then you might be offered a three day treatment, or you might be offered a seven day treatment. So always use your treatments through to the time that that's um, that's recommended. Yeah, I
0: understand that you mentioned, um, you know, how uh, we're able to get these infections, but there are some women who have recurring BV yeast infections, and there must be something, uh, you know, a lot more going on in their body So what are th- what can we do in order to um, investigate it instead of going over the counter time and time again and getting uh, you know a cream to help us or you know, getting antibiotics.
1: I think our body's telling us that there's there's an there's an imbalance that's happening and rather than treating time and time and time again actually trying to get down to the the basis of what the problem actually is, is is the best way. So um, for me, as a registered nurse and a fertility educator, um, delving deeper goes beyond my area of expertise, but I will often refer people to a naturopath or a medical herbalist or a clinical nutritionist to try and sort out um, what's actually the cause of that um recurrent yeast infection or what's the cause of that recurrent BV. Um, and as I said, you know, some of those increased risk factors you need to look at. So if if you find that you're getting lots of yeast infections round about the time that you're you're stressed each cycle, then actually addressing that stress. So making sure that you're eating well. So you are cutting down on those sugars and those carbs um, eating a colourful plate of um, food, um, getting plenty of sleep. People underrate sleep. You know, it's really, really important um, to have sleep and to be rested. Um, if you find that you seem to get a lot of thrush when you're drinking a lot of alcohol, it's high in sugar again. So, you know, looking at decreasing, you know, your alcohol um, that that you're um, that you're drinking, and the same with BV. Um, you know, if you do find that. You have more reoccurrences of it when you're having a number of sexual partners, then maybe reducing your number of partners is just going to be enough for you to actually build up your natural level of um, bacteria and not overgrowing. So I do have a real problem with people going and getting a treatment and cycle after cycle. We talked about this the other day um, yeah. that people just unfortunately women think that it's perfectly normal. It's a woman's thing and it's perfectly normal to be um, getting thrush, you know, every cycle or, uh, you know, three or four times a year. And it's actually not normal. It's a reflection that there's something not quite
0: right. Mm. Do you know what the long-term effects are if we actually don't address it? Well,
1: the long-term effects can be, especially with BV, um, is that you, it can lead to problems with fertility. So although it's not a sexually transmitted infection, you're more likely to catch a sexually transmitted infection because you've got a a really raw, red, inflamed environment inside the reproductive system because you've got that overgrowth of bacteria. So you're more likely to catch things like chlamydia, um, which if untreated... Um, usually with antibiotics, um, leads to pelvic inflammatory disease. So then that affects you know, mm. the function of the uterus and the ovaries and the fallopian tubes. So um, also at a greater risk of miscarriage if you um, have a lot of recurrent um, BV as well. So especially when people are trying to conceive, you know, sometimes people will say to me, well, mm. if I'm trying to conceive, should I get on top of this before? I, um, you know, try to get pregnant, and the answer always is absolutely yes. You know, get on top of it, get it investigated, get it, get it treated as well before you decide to try and get pregnant. Because as fertility educators, we're always trying to get our clients to be as healthy as they possibly can before they actually um, want to try and conceive. And working at the three months prior to them making that decision that they want to start actively trying to get pregnant to make sure that her and her partner are in their, are in their best possible health before they try to get pregnant, because that's going to give them the best opportunity per cycle of um, falling
0: pregnant. That's great advice. And thank you so much for taking the time to discuss this um, these issues. It's not highlighted and it's really still important for us to educate ourselves. You know, but why do you think it's still such a stigma around it? I mean, it's just with everything else, right? I
1: think part of that goes back to what I said earlier about the fact that women just assume that it's part of being a woman, but also that it seems to be a little bit dismissed by our medical, uh, male me- medical practitioners, that it is just something that happens to women. And I really don't think that women have a voice. In talking about this because they're just too embarrassed to talk to people about it you know as a as a fertility educator you'd probably be astounded at the kind of conversations we have in a consultation where you know this couple will meet you for the first time over a Zoom video call and you know we'll be asking them all sorts of very personal questions and for some reason it seems okay to talk about those kind of things and that little constrained environment, but they don't know me. They're never going to see me ever again in person and they can ask those kind of questions, but to go to the general practitioner who they might see, you know, on a regular, you know, three-monthly basis or six-monthly basis and to do that face-to-face is quite difficult. So maybe the anonymity of, you know, working with a, you know, practitioner online um, is helpful in giving some of those things a voice. But I also think what you're doing, um, having a podcast on something that's, you know, that is not really talked about, is really helpful in giving that a bit of a voice. And, and my other thought is that because of that embarrassment that goes with those those um, discharges and those infections, is that I know a lot of women will choose to go to a, a pharmacy or a chemist That is not in their local area, so they'll choose not to go to their GP at all if it's a yeast infection Mm -hmm. because they can get an antifungal over the counter and become anonymous and get the treatment that way rather than Mm -hmm. having to face up, you know, to a health professional at a medical centre.
0: Actually, you make a good point. Um, But what if someone wanted to treat it more naturally? Where would you start?
1: But certainly um, a lot of naturopaths and things will talk about inserting natural yogurt um, into the vagina and um, changing the diet. So that's our out of my area of expertise, but I know our clinical nutritionists um, talk about there's ways that you can change the alkalinity of the vaginal, we we'll call it the flora, which is you know the bacteria and the and the, the fungi to make it um, more acid so that you don't get that overgrowth. So it's certainly worth looking into um, if you are a recurrent sufferer of yeast infections or BB. but I would strongly encourage any of your listeners to go to someone who's a certified practitioner that has experience um, in that rather than just looking online and self-diagnosing or self-treating um, because you don't know... You really need to have the information about what other medications and things that that person is taking and what their lifestyle is to make sure that you give proper treatment. Mm-hmm. So trying to just self-treat um, without knowing all the, all the ins and outs of how different medications and different different drugs and things interact with each other is quite a dangerous practice.
0: So um, So um,
1: my advice would be, if you want to try and look at treating either of those two things kind of from an actual perspective, mm -hmm. certainly yeast infections, then make sure you go and see someone who's, you know, definitely a clinical nutritionist would be the best person to see.
0: And if someone wanted to discuss some points that they've heard today and they would like to get in touch, how could they contact you?
1: Uh, so me personally, with, with my um, own practice, so it's um, www.fertilityfirst.co.nz. Um, if you wanted to have a look at the organisation as a whole, that's www.naturalfertility.co.nz. And look, I'm more than happy to um, talk with anybody about any concerns that they've got about their fertility or maybe they're wanting to chart signs of their fertility to help them maximise their chances of conception or to help them avoid a pregnancy. And most people we can help, but sometimes there are people that um, what our services provide may not actually meet their needs. So we're very ethical in referring them on to the most appropriate service. And, um, you know, I do see lots of clients from Australia. Uh, I've got clients from Hobart, Melbourne, Sydney and Perth at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just manage that two-hour time zone difference.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and when Daylight Saving comes back in again, we manage the three-hour time difference as well. So um, I'm always willing to, to take an email or a phone call from, from any of your listeners just to just to give them some feedback or some free advice about where to go to next.
0: Wonderful. Well, I'll have all of those details in the show notes so um, people who want to speak to you or find more information can go to your website or give you a call. Well, Cassandra, thank you so much for um, talking about, you know, the things that are unspoken um, and giving us a lot more information. So thank you so much for that. And, yeah, listeners, if you do need some help or you want to speak to uh, Cassandra about anything we've spoken about today please do get in touch thank you again for your time
1: lovely thank you for having
0: me